1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I'll sit down with James from Canadian music outfit, Rare Americans. Um, If you've not checked out Rare Americans yet, go do it. Um, it's a wonderful episode today, and we, we James is a fascinating uh, guest to have on because uh, excelled extremely in in the competitive industry of sport, uh, and then decides to retire at a very young age, and then pursue an equally competitive industry in the music industry, and then have the success that they're having. Um, it's clear to see that this guy's got incredible sense of drive uh, and confidence, which obviously we, we discuss on this. Um, before we get on with the episode, uh, a few thank yous. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, essentially the boss man himself, Mr. Scroobius Pip. I'd like to thank the team at Blue Murder Club Podcast. They produce this podcast. If you like your true crime podcast, then go check out Blue Murder Club. Um, and yeah, I want to thank you a lot. 2023 we're steaming into 2023 Uh, and you're still with me thank you like we're hundreds and hundreds of episodes in there and uh, I have such a lovely time getting to chat to so many incredible people and it's an absolute bonus that um, you lot listen so thank you very much Um, if this is your first time listening welcome uh, you're very, very late to the party. Uh, I've put hundreds of episodes out, as I just mentioned. When you finish listening to today's episode with James, go explore that back catalogue, because you can hear me talking to all manner of artists, from Enter Shikari through to... Gosh, where do I go with this now? I'm just clambering for names, and yeah, I've done hundreds and hundreds. Um, Yellow Wolf, Chuck D from Public Enemy... Um, punk bands like NoFX, um, gosh, Idols, Motley Crue, Foo Fighters, oh, the list goes on, Butch Fig, um, gosh, uh, just a, an episode coming very soon with another producer, Gordon Raphael, who produced all the Strokes records. Um Oh, just go and have a good old rummage in that archive because you'll recognise all your favourite bands, all your favourite actors, comedians, producers, DJs. I've been so bloody lucky. I've had stacks on. So go and have a rummage. While you're there, subscribe. And uh, if there's a share button, click that as well. Tell your pal. That'd be really kind of you. There's one way, well, there's two ways that you can support the podcast as well. I have a Patreon where I put up all the videos so you can watch all the episodes if you like to do that. That Patreon costs a dollar a month. So that works out in the UK, 20p a week. And, uh, and you can watch all the episodes. You can come to the Off The beaten Track uh, online live show, which happens every month, where you can come along and you can talk records. You can get really involved and guest on it. Um, Or you can just turn up and watch with the camera off and your mic off and just enjoy it. Uh, But it's a lovely thing that we do once a month uh, over on the Patreon and and you're more than welcome uh, to come and join. If you want to join up for a month and then unsubscribe, you can do that. It costs you a dollar. Uh, And while you're there, you can absolutely rinse the back catalogue because there's hundreds of radio shows and episodes that have never been released to the public. So um, you can do that over there. But obviously... First and foremost, you're supporting the podcast and, and that dollar goes in the pot to help cover the production and the and the time that goes into making these uh, episodes free every week. Also, in the show notes to this, there'll be a link for something called Buy Me A Coffee. Uh, it's really simple. You don't have to sign up to anything. You can just go over there and go, I really enjoyed that. I've, uh, I've had a great year listening to this podcast. Um, I'm going to buy Stu a coffee because Stu likes coffee. Okay, that's all. I mean, you can find out about most of this stuff at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com or just check the show notes. Um, it's all in there as well. Shall we go on with it? Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with the wonderful Rare Americans. It's Off the Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu
2: Whipping.
1: Okay, we are recording. James, how are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. James, before we jump into talking records, um, cast your mind back sort of 15, 16 months and tell me how you found the the, the, the the lockdown period, how you found that both personally and and tell me about how you found it creatively.
2: Uh, good question. Um, it feels like another uh, another life now. It's like we all have this, this blip in time. Um, I think it was a period of a lot of discovery um, for me. Uh, you know personally, uh, it was actually a, a pretty solid period. Um, it was the first time I had uh, lived with a partner uh so you know my my girlfriend here um she moved in with me kind of just prior to the pandemic having no idea obviously this was about to happen uh and that was the first time i've I've really you know lived with someone oh that's
1: that's in at the deep end isn't it if you're gonna move in with someone and then
2: that's it you're stuck in that house with them for god knows how long Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we really just jumped into it there. Um, But it was great. You know, we really we were really good teammates. We kind of learned and um, just learning how to communicate and, um, you know, just being with someone other than myself all day long. Um, So I think that for personally, it was was actually great. And, um, you know, she was also a great sounding board for ideas and, you know, just just really tried to. Um, not get defeated by by the world, which I think so many people had such a challenging time doing because it Absolutely. just felt like everything was doom and gloom every single day. Every headline was sensationalized to, you know, it was just, it was a hard time to stay positive. But we, we really made it, um, you know, a conscious effort to, Uh, be productive to 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 really work out every day and to work on you know music and write songs and and ideas and video ideas and how to kind of further this project along so um i'd say both personally and professionally was actually a real period of growth um and for the band it was you know that's one nice thing about um being an animated band is we weren't beholden to making videos where we had to be on set when you weren't allowed to or anything we were We were able to really just we had a lot of songs in the bank and we were able to continue to make videos and put out a lot of videos and um we actually grew like uh, you know by leaps and bounds during the pandemic because obviously every kid in the world was just sitting at home on their computer so uh it actually gave us a chance to capture their attention when this fast paced world now it just seems so hard to to reach people so um yeah the the pandemic obviously uh, as sad as it was for the world of course um for us personally it was uh, definitely a period of, of growth wonderful okay
1: james tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro please Oh,
2: man, this was a a tough one. I was on the spot. Um, (laughs) I absolutely, I picked this selfishly for myself. Do I think this is the greatest introduction of all time? Probably, you know, probably not. But for me, um, this band Modest Mouse has been one of my, you know, probably my all time favorite band ever. Um, And I remember when I heard this song, Dramamine. uh, And it just had this really long introduction and this really nice lick that comes in on the bass guitar and then it comes in on the guitar as well. And um, I was just like, it, it just opened my mind to the fact that, you know, you could have like a really long song, really, that didn't that didn't follow any sort of predictable arrangement whatsoever. Yeah. And it happened to be like, I just loved this song. And I was I don't know. 15 years ago or something, and I, and I still love it. So for me, it was really impactful because it was just not a pop song or it wasn't something you were going to hear on the radio. Uh, and just the, the sounds and everything, uh, they just just really got into my, my bloodstream and, um, you know, just made me, you know, appreciate music in a different way. So for that reason, uh, I picked it because it really, it was influential to me.
1: Ah, oh, it's a great record as well and a great band. And now when you think, like, how can a great band get any better... Johnny Marr joins. When Johnny Marr joins Modest Mass, you think, right, well, they've just upscaled it again. How can you be that cool? You've got Johnny Marr in your band. Um, you mentioned something earlier, James. You said um, about a fast-paced world. So I want to ask you something sort of around that and the, the, the way that people consume their music now uh, is far different to how it was maybe sort of 10, 5, 10, 15 years ago. Um we're seeing things like TikTok becoming very kind of key in in music getting out there. And we're seeing huge desire to uh, and focus on getting on Spotify playlists, maybe more so than, you know, previously wanting to get on the radio and things like that. I know that stuff still exists. And so many of them things in this fast paced world depend upon intro and hook and capturing attention very quickly because you're, in the thick of it with millions of bands constantly releasing music and all vying for attention that desire to hook and pull them in quickly does that feature much if at all in your creative process when you're writing i
2: would say it has like it's it's hard to ignore those things but i feel i have like a bit of a new perspective now and i i consider all those things now the rat race yeah. uh and i just have almost no interest in being part of it uh that's one thing i've i've just i'm learning that um you know we've tried for such a long time to get people's attention mostly i would say the industry's attention like whether it be press or radio or you know playlisters uh just trying to get people you know in the general industry to start to you know create some buzz hey it's like look what we've done on you know look these fans who have come look at the our concert tickets look at look at all these metrics uh look at the stories we're telling um but we have tried so hard and we've just not really succeeded in uh in trying to get the industry to kind of you know wave the rare americans flag so at this point my perspective has changed a little and i'm i'm not as concerned about you know just competing and, and being a part of the rat race that every single other person is is trying to do to me i'm Almost looking at the long game and being like, hey, if if we just continue to make special projects that mean something, uh, you know, and our long form bodies of work, because that's what I think that we like to do, uh, opposed to, you know, uh, you know, I obviously the new the new thing is you see an artist uh, tease a verse or something for 60 days on Instagram and TikTok until hopefully they get enough people to make videos that their label says, okay. We got the 10,000 videos now. We're going to release the song. Uh, And if that one doesn't work, okay, we're moving on to the next one. Start to tease the next song and the next verse and the next hook. Do that 75 times. We're going to see if this one catches and we'll wait and we'll just play that game. It's like fishing. Um, And to me, I just like I don't know. I I personally in my life, I'm just not enjoying that at all. No. Why Uh, would
1: anyone enjoy that? It's fucking crazy, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. The other thing is like – Begging people for pre saves. Um, As as a fan of music, I never pre save anything. I'm like, if I like if I like you or something catches my ear or my sight or whatever, I'm gonna check it out. But you know, so I I'm never I don't want to be begged by my favorite artist to pre save under the false pretense of my label won't let me put out this song unless I get fifty thousand pre saves. It's like I just see this now. Every artist is doing it. And as a music consumer, I hate it. And also as an artist, I can't stand it. So for me, I've almost like communicated to our group saying, look, like, uh, let's let's just take a step away from the whole rat race and let's just really focus on making special projects. And if we do five of those in a row, uh, I, I, the cream of the crop is going to rise at some point and, yeah. and people are going to get the word out. And, and maybe it doesn't happen immediately, you know, this year in a viral TikTok, but that's okay let's 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 focus on projects that we feel are special that our audience is is going to love 10 years from now and tell their friends about it uh and and make that our biggest priority opposed to just you know again being a part of this everyday kind of rat race um so yeah i'd say my perspective has changed on that over the last couple of years yeah okay
1: right i'm going to take you back please tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please, James.
2: Uh yeah, Eminem. Um, I mean, Run, Rabbit, Run. I think the song is called. Um, I, I grew up as a kid. I was uh, my brothers were both punk rockers, um, so you know, Bad Religion was played a lot, and Pennywise, and Alkaline Trio, and Rancid. Um, so I really grew up with uh, with punk rock, and then uh, I remember hearing Eminem and. Uh, at that time, I probably would have been, I don't know, maybe like 10 or something like that, 10 or 11. And I was uh, I was an athlete as a kid. That was kind of my um, my lane. And I remember just just hearing uh, Eminem and just feeling the power um, of of his lyrics coming through and his just his energy and his just raw emotion and just leaving it all out there. And uh, I remember that just like, you know, times where you'd feel nervous or whatever i was i was a tennis player and a hockey player and at times you'd feel either nervous before a game or you know you'd feel mad at the coach or you'd feel tired that day and you just put on eminem and i was just like oh man i, I can do anything i could take over the world man this guy is like look what he's doing um i really remember that distinctly that it just felt incredibly empowering um and it was so different than any punk rock or anything this was just a totally different type of music yeah. that um you know Eminem kind of opened up for me and I now I still love obviously hip-hop's the dominant genre in the world right now but you know at that time it wasn't so uh, you know really opened up just a new lane of inspiration and, and artists uh in my life. But
1: the kind of the parallels between you know traditional kind of what people call punk rock and, and hip hop. Hip hop's punk as fuck, isn't it? Like, you know, the, yeah, the whole yeah, no, kind of ethos of, of how hip hop come about with like, you know, limited limited instruments and like this is what we've got. What can we do with this record? Okay, let's look completely reimagine this. Let's sample this, let's cut this and you know, and form this completely new genre of music that was born yeah. on the streets. It's 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 incredible. And I think the impact that Eminem had you know, when, you know, uh, I guess at this point, hip hop was probably one of the biggest genres in the world at that point anyway, and to then completely reimagine it. And, and I, I think he just completely rewrote the book. I really do.
2: It's got to be like, I don't know, let's say him and Bob Dylan are maybe the two ba- best lyricists of all time. Like, yeah. you know, I I think that uh, people uh, don't think about him in that uh, capacity as much um When I feel like he's literally if you I think I saw some diagram or something that like the sheer amounts of different words uh, that an artist is used throughout their career. It's like Bob Dylan and Eminem were like and a few other hip hop artists were like so far outside the spectrum of how vast their vocabulary is. And then you get the rest of the industry, which is like all in this little center hole. It's just like just an unbelievably Um, Just an unbelievable lyricist and and creator, a very intelligent guy and also, you know, the power of um, how raw one can be Uh, and I think, you know, at least that's why I connected with him. He was just raw. He wasn't sugarcoating. You knew this was a guy who was actually living this life and going through these emotions and they were they were real good, bad and ugly. Yeah. um and that was that's really empowering i think for an artist to hear that wow this is this is what people they want to hear real you know yeah.
1: so you talk about that you know listening to that as a young lad and and the music that your brothers were listening to where, where was all this happening where did you grow up
2: i grew up uh in a city called edmonton alberta canada um and i live in vancouver now it's about an hour and a half flight from here um it's, it's a interesting city, very cold. Uh, it's, I think it's minus 35 there today. Um, wow. it's a very blue collar city. Um, a very good economy there. A lot of people have good, good paying jobs. It's, it's not far from the oil industry and in Alberta. Um, so yeah, people were real hard workers. Uh, a lot of big ideas in Edmonton a lot of companies started in Edmonton there was a really competitive mindset i would say there and just like a so a real kind of hard working town um and good uh place to grow yeah. up it was a good place to grow up yeah absolutely um yeah i can't can't complain about that at all uh good good town for sure okay is that where you went to school yeah uh, no, I, I left Edmonton when I was uh, about, after I stopped, I played in the Western Hockey League, which is kind of the league where the NHL drafts from. It's like, it's called Major Junior Hockey. Um, so I played in the Western Hockey League for four years. Uh, so I moved away from home when I was 16 uh, to play hockey. Uh, and then after my career, when I retired, I relocated to Vancouver, uh, but my, my brother and, and some of my family still lives in Edmonton, so uh, it's an hour-and-a-half flight. I, I still go there you know, several yeah. times a year. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk school. Tell me the song that reminds you of your
1: time at school, please, James.
2: Uh, yeah, this one was funny. I, I picked a song up by 50 Cent called 21 Questions because um, I remember that when I was in grade school, my mom uh, was driving me all day every day because I went to a sports school so uh, it was a, a school 30 minutes 35 minutes across town and we took the four kind of main core subjects you know science math social studies English um, and then after 1230 p.m. Uh, from 1 to 4 every day I was in like a high-performance sports program uh, so I was a tennis player Uh, so I would go to school. My mom would drive me first thing in the morning at 8am, go to school from kind of eight till 12. And then she'd pick me up and then I'd be at training tennis from one to four. And then she'd pick me up and I'd go straight to hockey practice with dinner in the car. And I would get home at whatever, 8pm. And that was what I did five days a week. So we had a lot of time in the car together. And, um, that's when, you know, kind of following up on Eminem, uh that's when 50 cents uh you know just had that get rich or die trying record which was just monstrous record which i i really loved and um there is uh that song 21 questions that my mom used to get a kick out of some of his lyrical choices which today would be very cancelable uh so i i won't repeat them here but uh i remember you know, just being in the car with her and her kind of getting a kick out of it. So I'd I'd play that song again, and what if we it over and over again? And uh, yeah, had a lot of a lot of real good uh, mother son time on those drives in the car.
1: Man, that's a cool mom rocking out to Fifty Cent in the car.
2: Oh, my <laughs> mom was cool, man. She would whenever whenever Bad Religion was in town, she was always at the concert. Love She's, that yeah my parents Whenever we're on the road my parents i would say have seen more rare american shows than anybody else so love it
1: love it so let's, let's just i mean obviously it sounds like I, I like to ask guess what they wanted to be at school and, and i imagine sport was very much something that was at the forefront of what you wanted to to do for a for a job at that point right absolutely but tell me about home and music was was you know you you touched on records that your brothers were playing was 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 home a musical place
2: very much so not in um my no one in my family played instruments whatsoever so that that zero that influence but my parents uh had very they really like really great songwriters um my dad's idol is bob dylan roger waters uh warren zebon uh you know tom waits lou reed uh joni mitchell um so we had a lot of the i would say the greats uh that were playing in our house all the time so i think from a young age you know we were really exposed to to great music and really great songwriters um and that was that was just always a staple my dad uh he loved nick cave uh you know he was he was just always you know playing great artists uh, and he is a huge music fan so you know he would put on records and he would just listen uh, you know in the basement and write some lyrics of his own and um, in the car always music on and my brothers both became huge music fans and again that's kind of you know they started getting into punk rock and I would say that that you know punk at that time people didn't really uh, consume music like they do now where you have one playlist that's got Eight genres. Uh, at that time, if you were a punk rocker, you were a punk rocker, and that was kind of your identity of who you were as a yeah. person. You know, questioning society, questioning what your teachers were telling you, questioning you know politicians. Uh, really having your forming your own beliefs about the world and questioning things. Uh, so I think that that was really you know punk defined who they were as human beings. Yeah. Um, so for me, as a really you know my brothers are seven and ten years older than me, so. You know, I was a, it was pretty impressionable on a of on a course. young kid. Uh, so yeah, I would say music was, you know, all around all the time. Okay.
1: You've. It sounds like you've excelled in in you know in an early career in sport, and then you've chosen an equally competitive industry in in the music industry. Um, tell me about drive. How driven are you?
2: Oh man, I'm on a I'm far on the charts, undriven. Uh, that's that's uh, not something I lack at all. Um, sometimes my team probably is like, "Holy shit, man, slow down." But um, if, you know, but if again, if you want to, you want to be in this industry, it's like I'm. I don't take for granted what what we've built and the fact that there's. A million and one other people out there that are lining up to try to take what we have and and to you know uh to to get to do what we get to do so yeah. that's not lost on me at all uh, and i understand that you know there's a million other artists out there that are more successful than we are who have as much drive as as i do um yeah. i think that you know that's one parallel you'll find between athletes and artists is an obsession um because you just can't compete at the kind of the you know the top uh of of both games if you're not brutally obsessed with what you do it's just too hard um it just requires such a level of of dedication and commitment and straight time uh you know from writing records to marketing records to Touring like like touring in and of itself is like just an insane uh, Venture that you know people just unless you've done it. You just can't understand it yeah. um, So, you know similar to an athlete man, those guys are they're playing three games a week They get a short break and then they're right back in the offseason to make themselves better for the next year And if not someone else is going to take their spot. So yeah. um, I think that they're very similar mindsets uh, that you have to have uh, and it's a really, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, but that's not why, you know, everybody can't do this. So yeah. uh, it does take, a, I think, a certain type of, of personality and and dedication to do it. Absolutely.
1: Tell me the first song you remember buying from a record store.
2: Uh, yeah, I remember uh, Dude Ranch by Blink-182. Uh, See, that's
1: cool. Normally, people's first records are shit. And you've got a really cool tune for like, your first record.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh well, again, kind of through the the punk rock roots of my brother's I found Blink-182 and they didn't like Blink at all. They thought Blink-182 was like uh like wannabes, tryhards. They weren't they didn't they didn't have the actual essence of punk that bands like Bad Religion and whatever. And, and I'll still to this day challenge them be like, "You know what? Blink-182 made some unbelievable records." Like they really did. They were just capturing a different, you know, uh, they weren't as political probably as bad religion or something but you know they spoke to a generation and I was one of those kids uh, and, so yeah I remember I can't remember exactly how I first discovered them but you know I remember going to the record store and seeing that album cover that had the bull on it with a bullseye or whatever and uh getting that record and obviously at that time you know if you bought a record you held on to that thing you read the liner notes you knew it front to back and uh, I remember, you know, just putting it in my little, whatever it was, disman at the time, or little boombox or something. And I was, at that time, again, practicing sports. So I was, on uh, you know, hitting tennis balls against the garage and just listening to the record on literal repeat until the CD was scratched that it could not be used anymore because you didn't have another CD right after. Um, so, you know, it was a totally different way of consuming music. And it really made you, like... You know, get into a band and into a record, and even if you didn't like it the first time, well, you're gonna take that thing for eight more spins, and you're probably gonna like it by the end. Absolutely,
1: it's weird, isn't it? How how people, you know, you you kind of die-hard punks will will frown upon bands like like blink for for being i don't know plastic punks or whatever you want to call it and and the same with you know green day got it when dookie dropped it was like didn't matter what they'd done before that they'd, they'd released this album and like blink they had huge commercial success because the, essentially their songs were pop songs played hard and fast and yeah 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 super hooky super catchy and it's like what what why is that not punk it's like you know you listen to like the pistols or you listen to the undertones it's perfect pop records but just played really angrily you know
2: it's yeah uh, it's, it's, I, I, you nailed it you nailed it on the head there uh but when you tell diehard punks you're like you know this is literally just a pop song yeah but it's just played faster and with distorted guitars yeah. they're like no no this, <laughs> no what are you talking about it's like it's like let me demonstrate and play this on an acoustic guitar as if it was a pop song notice the similarities here <laughs> like
1: Absolutely. But I guess if you are schooled in that kind of Fagazi and McKay kind of mindset, then you're never gonna like Blink. Do you know what I mean? Probably. It's just it's not gonna happen. And there's a place for both, of course. Um but yeah. we're seeing Blinker back. Like they're uh, they are coming to the UK, I know that. And uh original lineup again. So uh yeah,
2: great stuff. Uh I'm just I'm I'm unfortunately a little uh I don't know, I'm gonna obviously listen to their record, but they're Their their debut song they came back with I just didn't didn't it just it felt so commercial to me like it was uh, it just didn't feel uh, I don't I don't want to say genuine is the word but um, feels like they're I don't know they're going for one last kind of victory lap and and they're gonna make a shitload of money on it and uh, it didn't feel like Dude Ranch to me put it that way
1: it didn't feel like much of a progression either. If you've had all that time to go away and come back with something and reinvent yourself, it just felt a little bit like blink by numbers. Do you know what I mean? It was like...
2: Absolutely. Uh, Which I was still kind of sad, you know. Uh, But hey, it's like, it's hard to make your first two records or three records again. It's like that was a time and a place and part of their youth. Absolutely. um, I just wish their songs could be a little bit more like, obviously, Mark just went through like, you know, you think you're going to die. Like, I, I wish the record was more like, you know, opening up about their actual issues in their life and what they've been through as humans uh, because it's been such a long time and they've all been through a lot. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that it was a little bit more raw, not, you know, trying to be somewhat sexualized. I don't know. It felt weird to me.
1: I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Okay, let's go clubbing. The song that soundtracked your years clubbing, please, James.
2: Okay, well let me let me first tell you that I'm the worst person in the world to answer this because I haven't been to a club in like uh, ten years or something. Okay, uh, I am just not a clubber. I will be. I will happily sit at a pub, listen to good music, and have a nice conversation, and I love doing that. Um, but I am just not the guy who's ever going out to clubs. So James,
1: <laughs> um, I'm gonna let you into a secret, brother. Right? This yeah. is episode. Hold
0: up. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. About
1: 476, I think, of this podcast. Um, I reckon every single musician I've ever asked this question to has gone, I don't really like clubbing, man. I like to sit in a bar and listen to music and talk to my pals. So you're in good Uh, company.
2: (laughs) Okay, good, good, good. Uh, Yeah, man, I I always find it just so perplexing. Like, it's cold here right now. And you'll, like, you know, I'll walk my dog outside or whatever, and you'll see this club that's got a line 100 deep of, you know, girls in mini dresses freezing their ass off, (laughs) waiting an hour and a half to get inside to pay 40 bucks to go in there. I'm just like, oh, my God. This is like – I couldn't imagine this. But uh, I do remember – now, when I was, you know, 18, 19 and went to a couple clubs, it was it was Usher was in his heyday. Uh, and I remember the song. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, and he had Lil little John always just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. What? Uh, and, you know, people were just loving it at that point. Yeah. Um, so I do remember that, you know, Usher was kind of dominating the clubs yeah. in my very brief few times that I would have uh, would have taken part.
1: At uh, that point. There was no way you could go without even that. Do, 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 do. It yeah, was yeah, everywhere, yeah, yeah. wasn't
2: it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I asked you about uh, your your drive earlier, and and another thing that I'm always interested in. In, in and certainly in, in in somebody that's you know been in, in in the public eye in in both sport and music. Like, tell me about confidence. How confident are you? And how confident were you
2: as a young lad? Uh as a young kid probably quite confident um I was it's easy to be confident when you when I was growing up I was always the best player like when you're in your you know your home kind of territories or whatever you know I was always the the really the best player uh so when you're the best player on your team it's kind of easy to be confident Yeah And then you jump up a level and now you're playing against international and you go, and you're probably not the best player. Uh, and now you start to see yourself struggling a little bit, and you're like, oh, my God, well, who am I? You almost are losing your identity. Of you know, Usually when you're the best player on a team, you're the leader of the team, typically. People listen to you. They look to you for questions when they're feeling down. And then you know, all of a sudden, you jump up to this international level, and you're not the best player anymore. And you're obviously not the leader anymore because you're not the best player. Sure. So... People aren't looking to you, they're not asking you questions. And you start to really question yourself and and who you are and your abilities. And um, I would say that, you know, I went from a period where I was, you know, extremely confident to the most probably depressed I've ever been in my life. Uh and I don't really have a tendency. Um, thankfully, uh I I, I don't have a very large tendency to to get in holes or to get depressed. I'm pretty good at getting myself out of uh, out of, you know, mental lumps. But I remember, you know, when I did jump up kind of to that international level, um, that was the closest I've definitely ever been to depression in my life, uh, just felt like every day was terrible. yeah. Uh, and you just felt like you were kind of worthless because all of your self worth was kind of built into your how good you were at this sport. And when I was struggling, it was really, really challenging. And I wasn't confident as a human. I wasn't you know, just didn't feel good about myself. Um, gained quite a bit of weight. I remember at that point in time, and just you get terrible eating habits, and it's just like a just big spiral. Um, so that that was a really challenging time for me. And then, you know, once I was, you know, during I guess that period is when I, you know, found music or found songwriting. I would say as really just a hobby. As you know, every night we had curfew uh so you know at 10 o'clock or whatever we had to be home and in our billets house and uh so i really just bought a guitar just as you know something to do to pass the time and then really quickly wrote a song and uh just became brutally obsessed with it um and i literally retired from hockey uh as soon as i started learning to songwrite. and that's when i would have been you know 19 ish or something like that and Then for the next five years of my life, uh, I would say I wasn't also very confident because, you know, I was known as this hockey player for my whole life to all my peer groups, my friends, my family, uh, you know, and that gives you your identity. Oh, this is James. He plays in the Western Hockey League. I'm so proud of him. My son, yada, yada, yada. And now you go to a 20 year old kid. You're like, oh, this is James. He's uh, uh, a musician. Like, it's, it's just like nobody wants to especially if you're a parent of a kid that's like the last thing on earth you want to say like uh because you know it's such a struggle and people associate being a musician with being uh broke and struggling and and whatever so i would say for good five six years when i had this just belief in my gut in myself that what i was doing was great and it was you know it was gonna find a home in the world i think no one else believed in me whatsoever and they thought I was kind of meandering through my life and would end up just getting, you know, a job or, or whatever. And, you know, let this phase pass. Um, but I had to just have, have this, you know, belief in my core and my gut that this was going to go somewhere. And, you know, and I think once a uh, major labels started knocking on our door, I think that that's when, um, you know, at least friends and family and people who were closest to you were like, Oh, uh, okay. I kind of get it now. Yeah. It was like, it was, there was a validation there. Um, and and then, you know, now I'd say in the last couple of years that we've kind of grown this thing uh, and we've been able to play sold out shows, you know, all over the world and sell a lot of merchandise and things like that. I would say it's only just now, I would say in the last couple of years that my, you know, confidence in myself as a human is, is really started to, to grow and understand, look, I'm, you know, my opinion is worthwhile and, uh, i'm capable as a human and i'm i'm smart as a human and i put in a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of failure and a lot of growth through this thing and um through all those experiences and i'd say perseverance um you gain confidence yeah uh so i feel like you know now i'm on the other end of of, of trying to be that confident kid who is the best player on the sports team uh you know, I'm 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 slowly inching my way. I feel like to uh to that place in my life again. Um, Fantastic, yeah, lovely.
1: Well, let's go home. Favorite tro- uh, song from an artist from your home county, please.
2: Uh, Tegan and Sarah. Uh, I love the song "Living Room," and they're actually my neighbors. Uh, I see her at the the dog park sometimes. Really? Yeah, actually, Mother Mother, uh, Ryan Gildemon from Mother Mother, and. Tegan from Tegan and Sarah. We all literally live on the same block uh, in in East Vancouver. So uh, I I see them both all the time. Um, uh, But yeah, uh, Tegan and Sarah growing up, uh, just absolutely loved them so much. And kind of like hip hop, you know, I kind of found indie uh, on my own. It wasn't wasn't punk rock, but it was kind of an offshoot uh, from punk rock. Uh, But it was a little, I would say, my brothers would call it soft. Uh, because it was it was indie music, uh, but I loved it. I really got into indie, uh, which obviously Modest Mouse kind of was, you know, the quintessential indie band, and Tegan and Sarah was another one who had a real cult following, and they were from Calgary, Alberta. I was from Edmonton, Alberta, so they were only a three-hour drive away. Um, saw them in concert several times from really small venues to bigger and just kind of saw their growth and... I always just loved how unique they were. They weren't like powerhouse singers in any way, uh, but they the way that they harmonized with each other and uh, just really interesting lyrical choices and how they had this really acoustic leaning sound. Uh, I just I really loved and uh, all their records as kids. I, I I listened to front to back hundreds of times. Uh, yeah, so yeah, they were definitely a favorite of mine.
1: And that time, you know, of, of Modest Mass coming through and Tegan and Sarah coming through, that was a great time for indie music as well.
2: Totally. Bright Eyes, yeah. another one. Yeah.
1: No one's ever chose a Bright Eyes track on this podcast so far. Why has that never happened? What a beautiful, beautiful band.
2: Oh. Yeah, I, you know, I, I could have easily, uh, they're not, I, I guess they're not from uh, my home country. Yeah. Uh, he's from Omaha, Nebraska, I think. Yeah. Um, uh but if hey if they were from canada i probably would have picked them uh okay right last
1: track and this is when you get to uh to to be a tastemaker and turn someone onto something new (laughs) it's a song that you think many people may not know james that you would like them to hear
2: uh i went kind of like selfish here and i picked a song by us (laughs) if you're gonna Uh, get a
1: shameless plug in do it now man
2: let's do it yeah the shameless plug uh (laughs) Yeah, I really like this song. Uh, it's called Shea, uh by by Rare Americans. Um, and it was a song I, I hoped would uh, do better, uh, to be honest with you. People ask us that question sometimes, what's, what song of yours do you wish did better? And I thought that this was a really great song. Um, and it was really based on a true story. I met this, uh, I was on a, a trip to the Philippines a few years ago. And um, met this girl and instantly kind of had the, you know, that spark uh, that everybody wants. Everybody loves the spark and we totally had this spark. And I was just like, oh my God, I, I was just so infatuated with this girl. But I saw in her finger, she had this huge rock. And I was like, oh my God, no, this girl is <laughs> married. Are you kidding me? Like, you cannot be serious. Um, but, uh, you know, throughout the a few days later on this, on this trip, I ended up, you know, we ended up chatting a little bit more deeply and, uh, I learned that her husband uh, passed away and that she was the widow. Uh, and this was kind of a trip, uh, for her. He, he, unfortunately had a, had a brain tumor and, you know, had kind of like a long, slow kind of demise, which was, was super sad. And this was kind of a trip for her almost to heal. Um, and she really, uh, yeah, just opened up to me, and I think I was the first person outside of her, you know, friends and family, who she was able just to let it all out to, uh, and someone who wasn't so close to the situation. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she really, uh, you know, really confided in me, and we had this like really cool, short, uh, you know, little mini love kind of thing for you know for for a week or two, and uh, I think it was really healing for her and eye opening for me, and uh so this is a song that i kind of wrote about her situation um and yeah so i I felt it was a very very real raw honest song and you know about someone who was going through you know one of the toughest things that you could go through and losing your partner um so yeah that was a song by rare americans called shay that i really liked and uh think other people might dig it too well James we
1: make it easy for them to listen to it because we we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast with all of the tracks that we've we've spoken about today um and we'll throw some bright eyes on there as well um okay so we're we're getting to the end of 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 2022 uh I think this episode will probably drop first week of 23 um so let's talk 2023 what's happening
2: Oh, man, what isn't happening? Um, it's definitely the the biggest year uh, for Rare Americans by a Country Mile. Um, we've done uh, these two long form. I want to say that they're like the first of their time. Uh, they're like long form album, concept album, like movies, essentially. Um, they're both around 45 minutes. Um, and it's literally this every single song. Uh, is accompanied by a, a a music video, but they're not. They're one big story, start to finish, beginning, middle, and end, like you would watch in a film or a TV series. And uh, the the album is uh, essentially a film. So yeah, uh, we have two of these. <laughs> uh, so yeah, really excited. One is called "Searching for Strawberries," uh, the story of jongo Bongo, which is about our bandmates uh, jongo who went through a real soul searching period of his life a few years ago um he worked for ibm he was literally like a data analyst but you know all he wanted in life was to be a musician and he had this good paying job but he was trying to climb the corporate ladder who just kept pushing him down and didn't give two shits about him so he ended up walking uh, the Santiago de camino in spain which is like a 900 kilometer pilgrimage uh where people uh walk all through spain kind of soul searching almost for answers in their life and uh, he did that and ended up uh, that that led him to Canada. And then once he was in Canada, one thing comes to another, and he somehow found us. Uh, so this is essentially a story all about his journey and kind of finding himself. Uh, and then the next one is called uh, Skids, uh, and that's a story of a group of kind of five high school kids, um, you know, influenced by you know growing up in Edmonton, and uh, these kids are dealing with their. Their parents telling them what to do, the school telling them what to do, questioning society uh, and you know, sex, love, drugs, rock and roll. Uh, it's kind of the story of these five kids. Um, so these are both going to be like rare Americans mini movies, uh, and I'm really excited. I I think that they're they're cutting edge, man. <laughs> I hope people uh, I hope people really uh, sit down and get their popcorn out and consume it as a whole piece. Wonderful.
1: And if people want to keep up to speed with uh, everything that's happening and, and release dates and stuff, where's the best place to keep up with you?
2: Uh, we're, we're all over. It doesn't really matter if you're Instagram at Rare Americans, TikTok at Rare Americans, Twitter, same thing, or we're pretty active on um, Substack and also uh, the email. Uh, email kind of newsletter so we're at rare americans pretty well across all platforms
1: wonderful well if it's cool with you when this comes out we'll tag you in it so people if they haven't found you already can go and find you
2: awesome thank you very much Stu. i appreciate it it's really nice uh talking to you
1: james it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much have a wonderful christmas and all the best thank you You happy holidays thank you very much man
2: bye
1: bye yeah there you go oh my god you get to play at that level at sport and then you get to play at that level at music. I mean, this guy's doing something right. He must be. Um, Wonderful conversation. What a lovely guy James was. Um, Really appreciate Vanita for putting that one together. Thanks for um, making that happen. Thanks to you lot for listening. Really appreciate all the support you've been giving this podcast. As mentioned at the beginning, if you want to head over to the show notes and buy me a coffee, that would be amazing. Um, If you'd like to become a Patreon, that would also be amazing. Go and check out the dates on the the social media for the next live show. Love to see you there online. Um, I think that's it. I think I can let you get on with your day. Uh, Also, as mentioned at the beginning, if that was your first time listening, thank you ever so much. Um, Go get stuck into that back catalogue because there's hundreds and hundreds of episodes sitting there waiting for you, all for free. Have a lovely week. I'll see you next time. Much love. Bye-bye.